Good morning. My name is Taylor Abaroa, and I am so glad that I get to be with you this morning, both in person and online. I was reminded this morning as we were worshiping just what a gift it is to get to tune in together and refocus from our weeks on who God is and who he says that he is. And so this morning, as you are following along with the message, don't forget about the guide that's online. We've made it easy for you. So it's ccc.guide, and you can pull that up on your smartphone, your tablet, your device, and you can follow along all the scriptures and slides and all the things that will be helpful to you. So for the past seven weeks at Cypress Creek Church, we've been walking through a series called His Story. Um, And through that series, we've kind of flown really high. Um, If you're familiar with Google Earth, that's an easy illustration for me because we're flying really high and kind of fast over and through the Old Testament, but then we kind of zoom down and we really focus on different episodes or snapshots from the Old Testament. And so one of my favorite snapshots in the Old Testament is um, in the book of Joshua, And so here the Israelites and Joshua, they have entered into the promised land and they're there with Joshua and Joshua decides that they need to stop and they build and stack um, a monument of remembrance, a memorial, a place that they can turn back on and they stack those rocks to remember God's faithfulness. Now, our, cre- our awesome creative team here at Cyprus put together a graphic that kind of shows you what those rocks looks like. And it's just a mental image for us so that we can remember those times in our lives. And maybe we're getting to those times where we're able to call on God's faithfulness. And maybe we've had times where we've swerved from them. And we look at those times of those memorials, those rocks of remembrance, and we are able to refocus on who God is and who he says that we are. When we know who God is, when we believe that God is the one who made us, he's the one that lives inside of us, he's the one that walks before us, we leave all of those insecurities and the things that tangle us up and the cattiness and the pettiness and all that little stuff that wants to drag us down and used by the enemy to defeat us. We leave that behind and we fix our eyes on Jesus. And so this morning, as we move forward and kind of recapping the series, but then also really focusing in on this morning's message that's titled The Heart, it's my hope that we can take those things, set those aside, and focus on what's inside of us and where we're going. In this time and in this season, when we thought the months that we have just lived and the months that we're about to live would look really different, when Racial tensions are high and political tensions are high. And we look left and we look right and we look in front of us and there's so much need. We've got to have those places like Joshua taught us that we can call upon and we can remember the faithfulness of God. We have to have those places to look back to and then we can look forward to. And I believe that in this season, God is calling us to move forward and deeper spiritual awakening, and deeper spiritual deepening. God doesn't leave us to do that on our own. He goes with us on that journey. 
So we kicked off this series and we talked about uh, the very beginning, the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and how the maker of, he- and he- of heaven and earth made each one of us. And out of all the things, he deemed us his most special and prized possession. And then it didn't take long before humans really messed it up, only a couple chapters actually, and we sinned and there was a murder and all this chaos erupted. And we were quickly revealed that we needed a savior, someone to come and rescue us. And so from there, God chose the Israelites and spoke promise and blessing upon this group of people and told them that he was going to lead them into the promised land. And so Jose then taught and spotlighted, going really fast, but zooming back in on the life of Joseph and how when there's so much evil and things that happen that are corrupt and not um, punishment by God, but God uses those things to make good. And then we walk through atonement and how we have this choice as followers of Jesus and choosing to follow Jesus that we can choose to cross that threshold into a greater relationship with God. And then last week, we, we kind of ended and left off where the Israelites, God's chosen people, are in the desert, and God has parted a Red Sea for them. He's provided food that's literally falling from the sky and giving them everything that he need, they need. And then they find themselves grumbling and complaining and whining and saying that all that God's done isn't good enough. Like, what if we just had this? To me, I picture a bunch of toddlers just whining about little things when God has been so faithful. So that all brings us to here this morning. And like I said, this morning's message is titled The Heart. Now, if you know me and know things that make me really excited, I would probably put the heart on the top five of my list. I love talking about what is inside of us and the whys to why we do things and what our brains think that cause us to react and respond and resist and all of that stuff. I love it. And so when you think of the heart, there's probably different things that come to each one of our minds. Some of us may picture like an actual anatomical picture of a heart. Other of us may picture a cute heart emoji. I prefer the yellow one unless we're really close, and then I might use the red one, um, but yellow is kind of my go-to color. Other ones of us think of little sketches, or maybe some of us are even doodling right now in our living rooms or out here in person, little pictures of the heart. Now, I'm, I'm a female, so I can't say 100%, but I know a lot of times the heart maybe doesn't sound like the most masculine word. I think that's things that girls are like, ooh, let's talk about our hearts. And guys are like, trees, mountains, lakes, rivers, I don't know, those types of things. But it's important to know that the heart, the word that we're really going to dig into this morning, is used over 830 times in Scripture. And when something that is used 830 times in the Bible Also, in our regular, not not in the Bible, we probably should clue in and pay attention that it really matters. And so because it's used 830 times, we need to establish a really good definition of what that means. So, may he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to read the next um, 826 of them to you this morning. But just with those four, we can clue in that what our hearts are really matter. And so if you look back in the, the um, ancient text that the Bible was originally written in, we come to this definition, and this is the definition of heart that I'm referring to this morning, the one that's men- mentioned 830 times, and it is live. I'm not a Hebrew or Greek scholar, so give me some grace that that pronunciation isn't perfect, but the definition is what we need to get behind. And that word heart, live, it means the inner man, the will, the mind, and the emotional intellect. The inner man, the mind, the will, and the emotional intellect. So if we think back to where we left off last week with these Israelites who are in the desert, their live or their heart, it's not looking so good right now. Their mind, their emotional intellect, their inner man, they're griping and complaining and saying that what God has done and where he's taking them isn't enough. We don't want to be like those people. We want to be different, chasing after God and his faithfulness. And so we continue through our high flight of the Old Testament. And in the book of Judges, we open up and it's bad leader after bad leader after bad leader. And people are grumbling and complaining and just whining. And then there start to be these rumblings of needing a king. So prior to this year, my husband, Jose, and I, um, we're student pastors here at Cypress Creek Church. And every week we would go to the middle school and go to the high school to go to lunches. And uh, out of all of the weeks, there was always one week of the year that tended to be my favorite. And that was the very first week of school. The very first week. Because you've got to rekindle those relationships with students that you hadn't seen all summer. You've got to check in. You've got to connect. And you got to surprise students because students didn't expect us, maybe after a couple years, but they didn't expect us to be there the first week of school. And so every year, without fail, it would be the first week of school, the first lunches. It'd be eighth grade lunch, seventh grade lunch, and then it comes to sixth grade lunch. And the bell would ring, and students would come running, like from every direction, into the cafeteria, from the gym, from the hallway, from the band hall. And then they would freeze. And it was like I could count to three. One, two, three. And for what seemed like forever, and was definitely some of those sixth grade students' most painful moments of their first week or first day of middle school, and it just stopped, and they looked. And then, every year, After a few seconds, someone would just step forward, and they would all go to where they needed to go, to the lunch line, to their tables, to a classroom, to see their buddies. And it's such a good picture and mental image for me thinking about the Israelites and thinking about us. Don't worry, if you were in sixth grade last year or the year before or the year before that or going into sixth grade, you aren't the only ones. The class after you will do it. They'll do it after you because we're not familiar with what is all around us. And so that person would step forward and then order, chaos. And so here are the people, the Israelites are asking for that. And so in 1 Samuel 8 verse 6, 
Again, we're, we're flying high, but the scriptures and the whole story that I'm going to walk us through this morning can be found in First and Second Samuel. So in First Samuel 8, 6 through 7, it says, But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all the people are saying to you, It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. So God is a God who is so gracious. He's, he's beyond faithful to us. He doesn't leave us in things to figure out. He's not deaf to our prayers. He hears his people, and he looks upon them with grace and mercy. And he tells Samuel, listen to them. Let's give them a king. Let's see if we can do this thing with a king here on earth. And so Samuel sets out, he um, establishes Saul as the king, and Saul serves as king for 42 years. Saul looked the part. He walked the walk, he talked the talk, he was tall, dark, handsome, all of those things we would categorize someone maybe as a good king, but he swerved from God's commands. So Samuel the prophet, who's, by the way, his name means God heard or God who hears, sets out on a search for a new king, a man after God's own heart. That's that word again, live, the mind, the inner man, the will, the emotional intellect. And so here we are in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, and this is Samuel speaking to Saul, and he says, but now... Your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to, have, to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. It's the same word, the same word of heart. And so just three chapters later in 1 Samuel 16, the Lord tells Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People have judged by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, the live, the inner man, the mind, the will, the emotional intellect. And so that's where the character that we're going to, again, zoom in on named David, that's where he comes into play. So Samuel, the prophet, he sets out in obedience to God, trusting God's plans. And by this time, Samuel's actually pretty late in his life. And so he is following God to find who the next king is. And he goes on his way. He meets a guy named Jesse. He knows that the king is supposed to be one of Jesse's sons. And so he says, where are your sons? And so they bring each son forward, oldest to youngest. And one by one, Samuel goes through, and you know, starting with picture the tallest to the smallest maybe. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Until he gets to the very end where there's David. David is the youngest. He's the, probably the smallest and also possibly has the worst job of all the brothers and that he is tending sheep. Um, sheep are not super bright and they are really messy and they smell. And he is out on his own taking care of the sheep. And so God tells Samuel, he says, yes, that's the one. That's the one that I have anointed. In 1 Samuel 16 It's uh, verse 13, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him, David. 
in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're familiar with the story of David, and if you're familiar with all of his life, you know that he did not live a completely perfect and sinless life. David goes on to make some pretty bad decisions, and his life is full of scandal and times of war. But we need to draw our attention to what God told Samuel, in the beginning, a man after God's own heart. Because despite David's shortcomings, there has to be something inside of David that God knew he, in his heart he was the one to lead his people. Bob Goff, he's a famous um, author and speaker, and he's written several books. And in one of his books, Everybody Always, there's a quote um, that I love, and it says, our problem following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. We're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him being God. And the beauty of the example of David's heart is that it's not limited to David as a person, as a man, but it's extended to what God does through David to accomplish his purposes and to call us back to faithfulness to him. And so throughout David's life, he exemplifies a lot of characteristics that we could really narrow down and whittle down. But there's three characteristics that I want to call out this morning. And it's important for us to recognize what these characteristics are so that we in our own personal lives and our own journeys can really apply them to where our own hearts, our minds, our inner man, our will, and our intellect are. And so the first one is harmony, living in harmony. What is important to God is important to us. We all probably know what it sounds like to listen to a song that's out of tune or not in good harmony. For me personally, I can't get it off fast enough. I just want to make it stop. Um, I spend the majority of my days uh, with quite a few toddlers. And when you are almost two, almost three, almost five, and almost seven, um, sometimes it is not easy to live in harmony. And you don't want to share, you're complaining about what snack you get, you didn't get. And there's chaos that just happens to unfold. And so throughout the past few months, my kids probably can vouch for me that we have really been working on what it looks like to live in harmony. So much so that one of my uh, daughters will say, I know harmony and keep going. Even though her attitude doesn't display harmony in that moment, she knows that we are drilling in to what it looks like to live together in harmony, accomplishing one purpose, going in the same direction for the same cause. And David lived in harmony with God. He chose to move in the same direction that God was leading him 
And the second, so living in harmony, and then the second is obedience, choosing obedience. That word obedience has a lot of different connotations to probably each one of us. But I want us to look at obedience through the lenses of trusting God to do what's next. And so when God says, go to the right, we go to the right. When God says, go to the left, we go to the left. When God says, go forward, stop, wait, pause, we do that because we have a heart that chooses to trust God and seek obedience. David could have looked at Samuel when he came to anoint him as king and been like, no way, I'm out. There is no way I'm going to do that. I will not. He had that opportunity. And honestly, I wonder if he ever had thoughts or some even doubts along his way. But the point is that he did not choose to do that. He followed God in trust and obedience to lead his people. Even a chapter after that, David goes out and he slays a giant, Goliath. He takes him down with a rock and a slingshot and he slays them. But if he wouldn't take in that first step of obedience, that first step of trust, the rest of the, the books, the chapters that follow would not have played out that way. When you trust in the name of God, we are placing our power in God and not in the people around us or the things around us or what we go to on our phones or in the news station we trust. When we walk in obedience and in trust with God, we are placing power in his name and giving less power to the things that want to entangle us and hold us down. So living in harmony choosing obedience. And the third one is posturing ourselves in humility. Accepting that God's ways are better than our ways. When I think about humility, I think that humility is way more of a heart posture and a position before God than something that we say or we do. We position ourselves before the maker and the creator of heaven and earth, to follow and choose to be led by him. In the words of Pastor Bob, our egos are not our amigos. And that pride that comes into our hearts, that pride that tries to tell us, no, your way's better, my way's better. If you're just independent, if you do this one yourself and count God out, all of those lies that take us backwards or keep us stagnant, when we capture those and identify them as pride in our hearts, again, that word in our mind and in our inner man, our, our will and our emotional intellect, we are posturing ourselves in a place of humility before God. All that other stuff, our ego, let me tell you, it will never satisfy you. You can try for all of your days, all of your years to find satisfaction in what's on your phone and find satisfaction in who you call your BFF. You can find, try all those things. It's getting excited. But our satisfaction comes when we are living in harmony, choosing obedience, and posturing ourselves in humility before God. God is looking for people whose hearts, whose minds and wills and intellects and are completely surrendered to him. He's looking for us who are ready to go and run and call out his faithfulness along the way and call 
and look forward to his faithfulness in the days and months to come. But to do that, we have to know what is in our hearts. What is inside of us? What are those inner core motives that hold us back, take us down, throw us off course, cause us to swerve like Saul as king? What are those motivators? A few weeks ago, Pastor Sean gave us a minute and taught us how to just take a minute to practice self-awareness and to look inside of ourselves and see what is in our heart. He called it a heart check. Take, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes. Silence the things around you and looking in, how do I feel? Why am I hurting? Why am I feeling such joy? Why do I have such peace? Why do I not have such peace? And identifying what those things are that are our core of our, our inner man, our live, our heart. And then after that, you pray. It's that easy. The kids at Kids Camp played a game. I think this week, this is coming from my four-year-old, so maybe it's a little off, but it was something along the lines of run, freeze, pray. Something like that. And I think that's such a good metaphor for us because we're running and then something comes up. We need to freeze and stop. And then we need to pray. As people, we like to run from things, hide from things, sugarcoat things, and not deal with them. We turn to our phones, we, we look on social media, we call the friend that's going to just tell us the answer we want to hear, but probably not the truth. We, we gossip, we create teams, we are petty. Man, we've got to go to the throne before we go to our phones. We've got to enter in with those things that we identify as things that are holding us back and entangling us and stopping us from moving forward. First, we've got to run, freeze, and then we got to pray. We have to push, pause, and pray. Then we can take steps of how to move on and how to get out of those things. But the first step is that heart check. And then it's pray, pray. And here at, here at Cypress Creek Church, I hope that we can be people, that we can recognize those things, we can pray, and we can be people that are after God's own hearts. That we can be people that are inside of us, in our inner man, in our inner emotional intellect, in our mind, in our will, that we're not chasing everything else that all the people around us are chasing, but we are chasing God's heart. And I promise you that as you chase God's heart, you will be satisfied. It will give you peace. You will receive joy. You will find approval. You will let go of insecurities and you will find rest. And so as I close this morning, I want to draw our attention to two Proverbs. And these two Proverbs, again, are talking about our hearts. And the first one is Proverbs 27, 19. And it says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. We live in an awesome place in the Texas Hill Country where we have fresh water around us and we can go to the river and we can look in or, I don't know, look in a puddle in your driveway after the rain this week. And what happens is it reflects your image. And that's the same way that our hearts are with our life. If we have stuff in there that's not after God's heart or not who God says we are, 
it's going to come out. The crazy thing about change and all the different changes that we each individually have faced the last few months and are continuing to face is change does something and it brings that stuff up to the surface. It sifts out things that maybe before were easy to, to kind of shut out and close the door on or hide from or hide. And it brings it up. And I am so thankful that God uses change to do that because it allows us to step out of where we've been and to step in to where we need to go. And the second Proverbs is Proverbs 4.23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I love another translation that says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The springs of life, the things that are going to fuel us and pour out onto other people. Our hearts are the one, are, is where that flows from. Sometimes, if, depending on what your background is and depending on how you grew up or how much you read the Bible or don't read the Bible, sometimes we hear that verse about guarding our hearts and it's directly connected to purity. And while purity is so important and an utmost importance to God, that verse is also speaking to purity and beyond and how purity is coming from our hearts and out of us. And what we put in our hearts and what we store in our hearts, eventually it's gonna come up just like a well that flows from water. And we can do our best to build fences around our hearts or build a tall tower to stay locked in or a silo or avoid people or avoid ourselves or avoid our spouse or avoid our kids. But eventually it's gonna come up. It's what's flowing through us. And I think as we reflect on David and how he lives in harmony, how he chose obedience, and how he postured himself with humility. We can really apply one of those three things to where we are today. And so I wanna encourage you this week as you go about your day, maybe you're just driving in your car, maybe you're up early one morning or late, up late one night, to take a minute and apply the things that we've been taught. Apply, do a heart check, figure out what is going on in there. And then take humility, take obedience, and take harmony, and apply that, just like David did, a man after God's own heart, to your life. Replace those things that are hindering you and put in one of those characteristics. So as the worship team comes, I'm going to close this in prayer, and I want to encourage you to evaluate what is in your heart. So God, we thank you that you care about us. We thank you, God, that you care more about what's inside of us and what makes us, what makes us up than how we look, what we wear, the accomplishments that we have, the things that we're going to do later in our life or have already done, that you care about our innermost being. And God, I pray that we as Cypress Creek Church would be people whose hearts are chasing after you. That we would give up hindrances and silly things that we get wrapped up in and we would fix our eyes on you. 
and we would call out in remembrance, just like Joshua did, places that you have been faithful or are being faithful to us. I ask God that you give us courage and you give us strength to tackle those issues that are inside of us, that we would let go of pride and our ego and we would live in harmony, choosing obedience and postured in humility. God, may our hearts be an overflowing wellspring of life that is pleasing to you. And may we be people in our communities, in our circles of friends, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, online, virtually interacting, that we would be people that have hearts fixed on you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you don't start something and not complete it, and that you don't leave us in the middle of something to figure out, but that you carry us and you hold our hands and you lead us just like you led the Israelites into the promised land and beyond. You lead us into what's next. We bless you, God, for who you are. And we praise you for a faithful father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.